Hey there from the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois. This is Dive Deep, where we dive deep into our Catholic faith, explore the many personalities and teachings surrounding our beautiful faith. I'm Andrew Hansen. She's Amber Servany. He is Father Chris House. Today we're talking causes of saints. We're going to get a whole slew of things, especially talking about our own Father Augustine Tolton, who's on his way to sainthood, you could say. You know, one of my favorite things, this is one of my favorite things about the Catholic Church, is the cause of saints, declaring saints, because it's just so joyful, and it reminds all of us that we can all become saints, because it's, you know, it's, it's our news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said that. Well, you said you said that in a way where like, yeah, even even this schmuck over here. My favorite canonization story is Saint Gianna. Uh, she died, I think, in the sixties, fifties, sixties, something like that. Um, you know, her story is incredible. She she had a um, she was supposed pregnant, and um, the doctor said basically you either need to abort your child or you're going to die. She chose obviously to have her daughter, and she died a few few days later. Uh, our bishop uh, actually just met the the daughter, who's also named Gianna, um, earlier this year at a conference out in California, and it was a beautiful picture with Bishop Paprocki and Gianna. And she always she talked about how uh, you know what's it like to you know to ask your mom. She and she oh say mama is is the way she she described. It. I thought it was the cutest thing. But getting back to the canonization story, you know uh, Saint Gianna's husband and her family was there. I just I to think of that to think of you know as a spouse or as children to be in Rome and to have your mom's picture and you know now declared a saint. That ha, that's just got to be the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, am I right that that's the only person that's happened to though, right? Where the husband has been present when um, the person was canonized. Possibly, I think so. I think so. We know with Maria Goretti, her mother was there and the man who murdered her. He now was there. That's interesting. He yeah, was there because he he converted. Okay. Um, and that he had a conversion, so and repented of all that. So yeah, he was there, and her mom was there when she was canonized by uh, Pope Pius the Twelfth. Gosh, that's I don't know. It's just so cool. And you know, so we're going to talk about the process of miracles and what goes into it. And what better way, Father House? You wrote a whole thesis on this. Mm, don't remind me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Did you choose to write a thesis? So this this topic interests you too? Well, actually, Bishop Aprocki told me that's why I was going to write it. All. Yeah, all right, so, yeah. but that was fine. It worked out. It worked out. So, uh, yeah. What's What's the big takeaway when, when you did all your research and and you you, you wrote this giant paper? What is there something that struck you or you found something out that was really interesting? I mean, the whole thing is, I mean, this, the whole, when I wrote that thesis, I called it, and actually I kind of used uh, Father Augustine Tolton as kind of the demonstrating part of that, of looking at the process. But the whole point, I called it, you know, model and intercessor. That's what the saints are. They're model and they're intercessor. They're model because they show us the way to live the Christian life and because of the place they occupy in heaven they're a great intercessor for us. They're, they're pleading our cause before the Lord and they're cheering us on literally so that where they want us to be where they are now. I think of the saints. Um, this is one of the beauties of the Catholic church that I will say, this is one thing when I, when I talk with our Protestant friends about you know, the difference between Catholicism and, and the other faiths, they always say, Oh, you pray to saints. Of course, that's always kind of misnomer. We, you know, we're asking saints to pray for us. And still often than not, I feel like they, they don't accept that. And that is, that's, that's, that is one thing we do that I, I just, I can't comprehend why you, you can't see that because, you know, I ask you to pray for me. I ask you to pray for me. If we think our loved ones are just as much alive deceased as they are physically in front of us, why can't I ask them to pray for me? And then to your point, Father House, they're in the presence of God. Now, this is my human mind thinking. I, it's almost like, boy, I, if you're in heaven, I almost think your prayers are probably maybe even more powerful than, you know, Amber praying for me, because literally you can go right next to God right now. 
Um, yeah, that, definitely. My prayers aren't very powerful. That one. <laughs> I love your prayers, Amber, but that's just the way it works. But that's the way my mind works. But I'm assuming, I don't know, do you, is that something you came across? You thought about when you rewrote your paper, you know, how they intercede for us and, and the power. It really wasn't so much about that. It was more about the canonical process of actually getting to beatification and canonization. So the more theological you get, in canon law school, the more your advisor is like, no, no, not, don't go there. So, so let's talk about the process because it is, it's fascinating. It's joyful. And we can use Father Tolton, one of our own as an example, the, the nation's first back priest from, from Quincy. Um, right now he is venerable. Pope Francis declared him venerable, which is basically step two of four. You're, you're servant of God, venerable, blessed, and then a saint. So talk us through the process, how one even becomes a servant of God. How does that even happen? And then take us, take us through, through, through that process. Okay. Well, basically what it is, is you have someone who lived a holy life that were believed to have lived a holy life. And there's a reputation for that. There's this reputation for sanctity among the people of God. So that person then is kind of held up and Literally, somebody then has to pick up their cause. So usually it's a diocese or a religious order who will push that cause forward. So they'll have to do like research on oh, them, yeah, that's, gather that's, their texts, that's the, interviews, all that sort of tons stuff. Tons of all that stuff. Basically, yeah. you, you write, write like a we're research gonna, paper on well, We're going to get there. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm so excited. It's the, the Positio. So, um, <laughs> in fact, I have a copy of uh, Father Tolton's in my office. So. Um, if only I spoke Italian. So, but anyway, <laughs> but or could read Italian. So you have this person who lived a, a good and holy life, a reputation for holiness. So, like in the cause of Father Tolton, or in the case of him, the late uh, Cardinal George, I believe it was during the year of the priest. It was about I think it was about t- 2010, somewhere in there. Uh, he asked the priest of the Archdiocese of Chicago. Um if there was a priest who kind of loomed large in the collective memory of the priests of Chicago and Tolton's name was thrown out there. And so with doing some preliminary work, Cardinal George decided that the archdiocese would promote the cause of father Tolton for canonization to see if, you know, this, if the church would make that declaration. So, and really quick, they did that because he, he died in Chicago. Since the whole day, everybody, I mean, as far as, Father Tolton did not belong to our diocese or the Quincy diocese, nor the Archdiocese of Chicago. He was a priest of the propaganda, uh, the propaganda fide in Rome. So he actually was a priest of, of the propaganda fide who sent him back over here. I'm going to call so, him one of our own. Well, that, well, that's fine. I mean, Marketing but, purposes, right? Amber? <laughs> that's right. But remember though, born in Brush Creek, Missouri, and then came to Quincy as a very young man, as a boy escaping from slavery. So anyway, so, Chicago puts the case up, and they're still uh, the promoter of the case. It goes before the congregation, or for the, uh, excuse me, has to go before the conference of bishops in the country to see if anybody has any objection. No. So they give a vote that's affirmative. Um, And then privately, the causes of saints, the congregation for the causes of saints is asked, we want to put this case forward and they give their nihil obstat saying there's no reason, there's no obstruction, no obstacle for that case to go forward. And so then the, the cause begins. And so once the cause is officially opened, the person becomes a servant of, called the servant of God. That's the first step. So father Tolton was called the servant of God, father Augustine Tolton. And then begins the work of gathering, which is our, had already begun 
but the work of gathering everything they can about his life. Now, his cause is what we call a historical cause because no one is around, no one's alive who knew him. So everything is going to be historical. So you look for anything written about them, anything they wrote, letters, books, correspondence, notes, sermon, anything. You bring all that together. You have to, you have a historical commission who looks into the details of the person's life. You have a theological commission that looks into the content of anything they've said, spoken, written, whatever it may be, to make sure that all of these things are in line with the church's teachings. And so these committees, they do these investigations. So what we're looking for, what the church is looking for in that instance is what we call heroic virtue. Not just was this person nice, because it's you know, there are lots of nice people who don't get canonized. But Jesus wasn't nice. He was kind. Exactly. Big the, distinction. The word nice never occurs anywhere between Genesis and Revelation, but that there. The other so, thing is, you ever, you know, when, when people go on dates, and this is, I'm going way off track here, but just spark my Imagine that. You know, when, when, when a girl goes out with a guy and, and she's like, you know what? Yeah, he was nice. Usually that means no, no go. That's, that's, a, no that's go. a no go. That's for sure. And it's like, People coming out of mass and nice homily, Father. Like, thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Note to self, don't say that again. You almost you don't want to be nice in a sense. Uh, you know, he's he's just he's nice. So it wasn't about nice. did the person live a nice life? Did they live the Christian life? And do they live it in an extraordinary way? So you look at the life of Father Tolton. Faced extreme prejudice, um, extreme adversity. Uh, came from Brush Creek to Quincy, ended up having to leave Quincy because the local dean was just horrible to him, was abusive to him. People loved him. It wasn't about color. People loved him, but the local dean was was cruel, was jealous, and so... But he never lashed out at him, and he never named him when he wrote, he wrote to Rome. Well, but... Everybody was very easy, able to put two and two together. So, so Father Gus, as he was popularly known and still, ended up going up to Chicago and he ministered up there in St. Monica's. Um, so, looking in his life, looking for that heroic virtue. So, did he live above and beyond in an exemplary way? In not just one aspect of his life, but in every aspect. So, the historical commission looked into his life. The theological commission looked into his life. And... When all their work was done, everything is compiled that is sent over, was sent over to Rome, to the Holy See, to the Congregation for the Causes of Saints. So then once it gets to the congregation, so that's the diocesan phase. So when the diocesan phase was done, then it enters into the Roman phase when they hand it over to the congregation. So they take everything that Chicago gave them, and Rome has their own commissions. They have a historical commission. They have a theological commission these commissions that work within the congregation. And so these different committees, they study, and it can take time. Sometimes things go quicker than others. So they study everything that Chicago sent, anything and everything that they have. So then each of these commissions, they give votes. Then that goes to the actual congregation, which has cardinals and bishops who sit on it. And then they give a vote— and that is given to the Holy Father. So what they would first vote on would be this notion of heroic virtue. Did they believe that Father Tolton possessed this heroic virtue? So they gave 
an affirmative vote, an advisory vote to the Holy Father, because it's the Holy Father who makes the decision. So then we received word just in June. In June. In June. In June, we received the good news that having received a favorable opinion from the Congregation for the Cause of the Saints, that our Holy Father, Pope Francis, declared Father Tolton to be venerable. So venerable means, by giving that declaration, that the Church is making a statement that it is believed that Father Tolton lived a life of heroic virtue. Okay? So what happens there? Then we look at miracles. This is the fun part. Yeah. So now <laughs> let's take a step back. For someone who has lived a life of heroic virtue and dies a martyr, so Blessed Stanley Rother from the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, priest who was martyred down in Guatemala in the was it early 80s, I believe, or late 70s, I forget exactly. So Blessed Stanley, um, they investigate not just his life, but the causes around his death. So did he die for hatred of the faith? That's what we ask. So it's not just, you know, he just didn't die because he was a priest, but it's because someone hated He died for hatred of the faith. And so the congregation voted that, yes, his death was a true martyrdom. And so the Holy Father accepted that recommendation. And when someone's death is ruled to be an act of martyrdom, they can be beatified after that. That first miracle is not needed. So in the case of Father Stanley, he would, because his death was understood to be a death through martyrdom and having lived a life of heroic virtue, he was beatified. So in the case of Father Tolton, Father Tolton died, would say a natural death, died of heat stroke. So having looked at his life, seen that he did possess heroic virtue, now comes the search for a miracle. Why a miracle? Because a miracle is a divine confirmation of a human judgment. So the miracle will be the confirmation of, of the congregation of the Holy Father, their judgment that Father Tolton lived this life of heroic virtue. So as far as I know, at the time of my writing, there were two miracles that had been sent over to the Holy See. So one involved um, an older lady who as I was told, had a, had a devotion to Father Tolton, to Father Gus. Had a, for years, it had a devotion to him. And uh, she had to go in because I believe she had a gangrenous foot that was supposed to be amputated. It was a foot ailment, yeah. Yeah, and so she goes in, and uh, they go in to do the surgery, and no surgery because the gangrene's gone. And her Hindu doctor wrote in her file, obviously a miracle. And so she had prayed to Father Tolton for his intercession, asked for his help, and lo and behold, everything's good. And the question is, is this, can this be explained medically? So the medical commission that looks at miracles will never say a miracle happened. They will say there is no explanation for why this happened. There's no within the bounds of normal realities. The other miracle that went over and one that really is tied, has a diocesan connection to, involves a young man who at the time, he's a priest now, he was a seminarian at the time up at Mundelein Seminary. He was very close friends to one of our priests, who at the time was his classmate. And this young man, is, as I remember, it was um, 
he was down, he was exercising, and he collapsed while exercising. And so uh, one of his classmates was a medical doctor. They're down there. They got him to the hospital, and the prognosis was not good to the point that after a couple days, they, they were talking about uh, harvesting his organs. Exactly, organ donation, doing all those protocols. Um, that they're just the brain activity was was non-existent. So um, this friend of his, who is now a priest of our diocese, he called me. It was on a Sunday morning, I believe, because I was at the time I was pastor in Auburn, Verdon, and Girard. I was on my way to uh, mass that morning in Verdon when he called, and I remember we prayed for that young man at that mass. But that afternoon, Bishop Aprocki, um was in Quincy for a confirmation. And just earlier in that week, Cardinal George and saw, I believe Bishop Perry from Chicago and I, I believe uh, the Bishop of uh, Jefferson City at the time, Bishop Gatos, they had been doing a Father Tolton pilgrimage where they went from Brush Creek up to Quincy and that. And Bishop Abraki was not able to be with them for that whole pilgrimage, I think especially to the visit to Father Tolton's grave. So that afternoon, Bishop Abraki, having been at a confirmation, is taken by his master ceremonies at the time, Father Father Darren Zainley, and they go and they pray at the at the grave of Father Tolton. They pray for the seminarian. And um, as the as it's related to me, and the other priest, by the way, is Father Steve Ayersman. I'll go and throw his name out there. <laughs> so he was the best friend of this, this good friend of this young man. And so Father Zainley is with the bishop. They pray for Father Tolton's intercession, that if it be God's will, that this young man be healed. Now, as, as it is related to us, Father Zanley takes a picture as the bishop's praying. Of course, it's a time signature. And then within minutes of this prayer being prayed, this young man wakes up, literally comes back from death's door. And I, and I was told, yeah, they were within minutes of yeah, they of, were doing of, the, the, of the protocols were being orders. done yeah. for donation. Yeah. yeah, there was there was basically thought to be no hope, and so all of a sudden, he's back. I mean, isn't it awesome to be Catholic? I mean, you hear those stories; it's just so cool. And so ultimately, this young man makes a full recovery, and he's ordained the priesthood, and he is a parish priest at this day. <laughs> so um, yeah. And so that so those are the two they're looking at right. right now. So that will be examined by theological and medical commissions. So what they're looking for is, is there an explanation to this? Can this be explained through a, with a natural explanation, through a medical explanation? So they're not going to say whether or not it was a miracle, but then they'll give that their findings. If it's an affirmative finding, that will be given to the congregation. And then that will then the Holy Father will have to make a judgment again. And if then a miracle is believed to have happened through the intercession of Father Tolton, then the Holy Father then can make the choice then to declare him blessed. And then after that, it's another miracle for canonization. And this process, I mean, it's it's anybody's guess. I mean, Father Tolton can be it can be you know. It, Pope Francis can, he can do whatever he wants, but in the case of Father Tolton, his cause has actually moved fairly quickly, mm-hmm. especially for someone yeah. who, and you're, you know, has more really than under hit, 10 years. And, yeah. And because no one, I mean, you saw 
John Paul II and Mother Teresa, they went much quicker. Well, because, well, we, we all know, know them, grew up with them. There was, there was plenty of things. So that gives us much hope for us in our diocese that perhaps see Father Tolton become blessed. I don't know, maybe perhaps as early as next year. It's possible. I mean, who knows? Right. I just, we don't know. So, I mean, what I think is interesting a little bit is like with, with Mother Teresa or John Paul II, like you, you would think to pray to them because we did witness, but like this woman who prayed to, um, Father Tolton, it's kind of like, where, where does he, where do you even get that? You know, she had to have researched or something, you know what I mean? So that to get to that, you can see how the process would take a while because I'm not sure that's well, that obvious. Just, <laughs> just goes back to his memory still was alive, even though he had been dead for over a hundred years, his memory still was held in the community, especially among the African-American community, Catholic African-Americans. They held his memory dear and sacred. They saw him as a model of holiness and other people knew about him as well. So his memory was alive. It wasn't they just went and dug up some candidate in some history book. No, Father Tolton's memory was alive in that local church. And that's why then they put that memory up for the judgment of the universal church. Obviously I'm selfish here, but I really hope the miracle that is confirmed as the miracle involving the bishop. Yeah. But, but I, I also love that story because it, it encompasses, you know, we, one prayer we have right now for father Tolton is for more vocations. Right. Um, and this story involves a seminarian who happens to be at Mundelein, which is in the archdiocese of Chicago, who has taken up his cause. Lo and behold, Bishop Paprocki and father Darren Zanely, a Quincy native are at his grave in Quincy and it's this, it's this intermingling of seminarian, Chicago, Diocese of Springfield, all into one story that I just think is just beautiful how, how, it all, how it all unfolded. There was another story. I remember I was watching EWTN. These stories, oh, they always bring me chills about, you know, uh, John Paul II and Parkinson's. Um, Parkinson's, right? And, uh, yeah, I don't think it's ever officially said that, but that's what it appears to be. Yeah. Um, and, and this gentleman had something similar. And, uh, this is not one of the, you know, he, there were, you know, this is not one of the official miracles approved by the Vatican, but, uh, but he tells a story where he had it long story short, you know, he went in, he devoted to John Paul II and then it was gone. The doctor went in and the doctor came in and he was, you know, dumbfounded. I can't believe this happened. And he's like, you know, what, what did you do? And the guy's like, you know, I'm devoted to John Paul II. And he, he turns like, he goes, Hmm, I see. And then he walked out the door and then the nurse came in and they were, they were talking about everything. And lo and behold, this doctor was on the panel that approved the miracle for the nun who had Parkinson's in France. In France. Yeah. So lo and behold, it was the same doctor hmm. who was not Catholic, who was Jewish. I think that the nurse said, and you hear the story, it just, it just gives you chills. Cause it's That's, just, you know, again, it's just, this is where I, this is one aspect I just love about our faith. It is so cool. The process, we have these saints, they're on our team, they were our neighbors. I mean, Father Tolton, you, you, can, you can imagine him just walking down the streets of Quincy. I mean, you can go to Quincy today and, and, and get this vibe. You know, this is where this guy walked. And it reminds us that, yeah, truly, I mean, you, anyone can become a saint. And I think it's St. Gianna, who I brought up at the beginning of the story, beginning of this podcast, where um, sometimes I think we may get in you know, especially for, for you and me, Amber, where, oh, you have to be a priest, you have to be a sister, you have to be someone religious to become a saint. And, you know, St. Giada for someone like me and, and you, it's like, no, you can be a mom, you can be a dad, you can be anybody, you can become a saint. Yeah, I actually think they're looking at somebody right now from, from Michigan. From Michigan, yep. Yeah, um, who actually had the stigmata. Um, 
And I think he was a grandfather of quite a few. Grandfather, yeah. Yeah, everything. So he's right now, he's servant of God. They've opened up his cause. Yeah. So that's, yeah, definitely fascinating. But I think the next part also interests me, right? If I have it correctly. So once they approve the first miracle, there has to be a new miracle, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, So I feel like everyone's going to be really excited to start to pray. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and we're going to have a website, uh, toltenshrine.com, eventually, where you, you can submit uh, if you have miracles. Because obviously, we want to know about them. You know, same with Archdiocese of Chicago, uh, Stanley Rother, um, they, on their website, the same thing. They have, you know, if you have something happen to you that you believe was from the intercession of him, please let us know because that will help us in the cause to hopefully get him to sainthood. Very cool stuff. Uh, we have much more to share on our podcast page, dow.org slash podcast. If you want to check out more until the next time, we'll see you next time here on Dive Deep.